From the Vaults, audio from Edmonton's past. This recording consists of an interview of Kenneth Gordon Newman conducted by John McIsaac on September 14, 1983. This material was recorded on a 5-inch open reel tape and was digitized by an archivist on February 25, 2021. This interview has been trimmed for length. To hear the entire recording, please contact the City of Edmonton Archives. Can we begin uh, all of Newman by my asking uh, where you were born and when? I was born in Alberta in the Hand Hills uh, on a homestead. Before 1917, I was 29. Born right on the homestead. Had your dad and mom uh, taken out the homestead? Yes, my dad uh, had uh, gone from Toronto to South Africa. And uh, with the in the uh, South African War, and had stayed in South Africa and was a detective in the Johannesburg uh, Police Force. And my mother's people had immigrated from Scotland to South Africa. And he met my mother there, and they got married, and they came out in 1908 to uh, the Hand Hills. And at that time, uh, it, it was quite a thing when you think back, but my mother's now 93. My father died when I was seven, many years ago. But when I think that she had people wait on her, uh, and was brought up that way, and came out here to a homestead where they went twice a year to get their provisions. Uh, in the spring they went to Stetler because the Red Deer River was too high to, to cross to Ford, and then uh, they uh, went in the fall, they went to Bazano, so I often teased my mother that uh, she had at least a change. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so you were, you were raised on the homestead then? It must have been quite difficult. I was born there, and, but we left there when I was quite small. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that's my earliest memory, though, is leaving the homestead. And then you came to the JP area? Or? No, came into a little village called Craigmile. Came in the, to close to Craig Mile where my father managed a, a purebred cattle, Aberdeen Angus cattle. Uh, uh, it wasn't a ranch, it was a, a man who had a lot of these Aberdeen cattle that he showed and sold and so on. My father managed that for a while until he became ill. And then we moved into the village of JP? Of Craig Mile. Of Craig Mile. How did you get to JP? Well, I, I, I came to JP, uh, uh, I joined up uh, in 1940 and uh, went overseas in the, in the war and was invalided in, uh, in England and came back in uh, late 1942 and was in the hospital here for about three months in the university hospital, so I just stayed here then. Mm -hmm. Stayed, may, may stayed in Edmonton and uh, went to work for the Americans. Uh, here in Dawson Creek, and then uh, I got married, and I, I bought a piece of property in Jasper Place uh, uh, under the La Veterans Land Act, mm -hmm. about an acreage. How about your education, Oliver Newman? Uh, did you go to high school? I went to, I went to high school in Craig Mile, and from that time on, that's as far as I went. Did you graduate from high school? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I only went to grade two, grade ten. Mm -hmm. Um, from that time on, I was self-educated. Mm -hmm. And and as far as uh, being invalided is concerned, were you were you shot or? No, no, I wasn't. I, I took a commando course, which was a very 
severe course and uh, my uh, feet broke down. I, the arches, instead of being up one way, they lapsed and went the other way and they, I was crippled up for, for quite a period of time until they finally healed. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so after, after the war and you were finished your work with the, um, with the Americans, it would have been what, about 1945-46, what, what did you do then? 1946, uh, when I got my acreage, I, I, I went into chicken farming. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a real part of, part of an education. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I didn't know anything about chickens. I learned a lot about them. <laughs> was, was it a successful uh, venture? Uh, it, uh, it, it was. I was very fortunate, though, in that uh, when I went into it, I got a large number of chickens. And there was a dollar, a hundred, Wait on feed, a refund, and that refund was almost your profit. And I got my chickens, about two thousand of them, just when they were about three quarters grown, eating the very mouth, at the very height of their being hungry, mm -hmm. just like a teenager. Mm -hmm. And they took the subsidy off the feed. <laughs> <laughs> Who was giving the subsidy? So the federal the, government. The, or the federal government. So I. Uh, was fortunate in that I had a good group of chickens, and the uh, government uh, came out and inspected them and tested them for uh, and registered my chickens. And I was able to sell a large number of roosters to uh, at a good price to a man in, uh, as far bigger than I was in the chicken out of Stony Plain. Mm -hmm. So I uh, and then I kept about four hundred laying hens. And. Uh, managed to sell eggs the next year for laying purposes, for hatching purposes. And was, uh, that way I came out of it. But during that time, I, uh, I, I was uh, just barely making it, and a, and a uh, job came up for a caretaker at a Kenora school in Jasper Place. So I, uh, this is before Jasper Place was a town. It was part of the municipality of what was then Stony Plain, what is now known as part part line. So I, uh, they had all, always paid their caretakers so much a month, but they put this out for bid, mm -hmm. and I bid on it. And strangely enough, I, I was one of the highest bidders, but they chose me. Did they give any reason for that? Was you're a veteran, or no? They, uh, I was close to the school, and uh, I didn't know the school board members. And I, I felt very fortunate in uh, in getting it because one of the other caretakers in one of the other schools had, had probably had been on it too. Mm -hmm. uh, now your you say your home was near the school. Had you built that home on the land that you had no no the the home was there I see. when I purchased it. Mm -hmm. So that is how I uh, so you became a civil servant. Uh, yeah, I became a civil servant. <laughs> Became a civil servant, and this enabled me to feed my family and feed the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 how long did you stay as a caretaker? I, well, I was, I never intended to stay very long, but I I think I stayed about seven years. Did you have to bid every year, or did they just renew your? No, contract? no, they just renewed it. Uh, and that was a high inflation time. Did they uh, up the salary at all, or no? It was not that, not to that extent. And uh, we had to go in and bargain for our salary, and I was named spokesman by the, by the group. Uh, 
we attempted to form a union and uh, had everything set up to form our own union and one of the trustees said, oh, we fired them all. Some of the fellows got scared and ran down to the Labor Relations Board and said, we want to withdraw from this. Mm -hmm. And they did. Later on, they did form a union. That was after I had left them. But at oh. that time, the... the uh, well, about the time you left, you, you ran in your first election, didn't you, in 1952? Yes, yes. Well, I was still with the school board at that time. But what had happened was... Uh, Oh, there was a ratepayers organization formed, as the town was not incorporated. Mm -hmm. It's growing very fast, and the tax monies were being used out in the municipality and not for the roads and streets in Jasper Place. Or at least that's what we felt. Mm -hmm. So a ratepayers organization was formed, and it was through that organization that uh, the, the town was finally incorporated and applied for uh, for village status and then for town status. Now, were I, you involved in the ratepayers association? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. I was a member of that. But I wasn't uh, on the executive. Mm -hmm. What happened was uh, when that was formed, then the village, they applied for, a year or two later, they applied for village status and got it. And then, I think, that was in, I think that was in the fall of 49, and then in the spring of 50, they were incorporated as a town, and the town council was elected. The first council, was as a village, there was three members, and the member who had been sitting for that area was uh, Jim Stone. So the three members were elected as a village in the fall. The other two members appointed him as mayor. He didn't run as mayor, he just ran for election. And then in the spring of 50, 1950, uh, there was an election for a town council, incorporated as a town, and there were six members elected. Jim Stone was elected as mayor, and there were six others elected as councillors. And then I ran in 1952, and that's quite a story. Well, well, I'd like to know that story. What prompted you to enter politics? Well, I had no intentions of ever getting into politics. Uh, but we had built, uh, at Kenora School, we built a, we formed a community league and built a skating rink with a small shotgun. But we provided free skating. Now we did this through uh, small bingos in the school, through a fun drive in the fall and so on. And uh, as everything goes, uh, when it first started, it was attended very well. We had a lot of workers. Mm -hmm. Well, it ended up by 1951 or 52, uh, the workers had all drifted away and there was about a half a dozen of us who were carrying it. So we called a meeting. It would be in the fall of 1951. And very few people showed up. This is the meaning of the community. Right? Of the community. Very few people showed up. So what happened was uh, they asked, they wanted to nominate me for president. I refused. Uh, they then asked me if I would take charge of the sports committee, mm -hmm. chairman of the sports committee. And I said I would if they gave me a complete free hand. Well, they were desperate for <laughs> anybody that would do anything. With so they said, fine, go ahead. So uh, in doing that, I then sent out a, a notice to the school. Took every, children, every child took a notice home, saying that there would be a meeting at such and such a date, and the meeting was being called to wind up the affairs of the community, and that we had certain funds in the bank, and it was to decide what we would do with them as we were a charitable organization, and would have to pass them off to another charity. 
I did this deliberately to gain some interest in it because I had to get some workers out. Well, we got a huge meeting. I just packed the schoolroom right full. And I was not a very good speaker, not even to this day, but uh, when I had a, a cause, I could get up and say a few mm -hmm. words. And I got up and I just uh, said basically that if you wanted this to carry on, you had to get out and, and, and do something about it. And the community was only going to be as good as they wanted to make it. Well, it turned out that we had elected a new slate of people and everything else, and it just went great guns. In those days, the elections were in March for towns and villages. For cities, they were in the fall, mm -hmm. but they had the old idea of late in the fall or, or, or early in the spring for uh, towns and villages because of the, the farming, farming, yeah. farming community. So in the next January, a group of people called on me one Sunday and said, we want you to run for council. I uh, just rather laughed at them and, and thought it was a joke and said, no way, <laughs> run for council this is the first thing for my mind. But when they were leaving, one of the fellows said, well, he said, I see you're one of the fellows that doesn't practice what he preaches. Oh, threw down the gauntlet. So it was kind of a, an awkward position for me, so I said, well, come back next Sunday, I'll think it over. So I thought it over and I thought, well, I won't be elected. It'll be an experience. There's no harm in it. So I just said, okay, I came back and I said, I would run. And uh, it's a very funny thing that we had one meeting, it was a huge meeting, though, of about 400 people. And I had uh, been serious about it, and I practiced the speech and had cue cards and everything else. Mm -hmm. And I tell you the facts, when I got up to speak, I couldn't even see those cue cards. <laughs> I had buck fever so bad when I got up I tried to tell those people I was the person to elect. Mm -hmm. And that's always been a problem for me, and I've been in 29 and a half years now. I uh, just said it was the shortest speech that any candidate, I believe, has ever made in his life. I said, a group of citizens have asked me to stand for council. I've agreed to do it. If you think I can be of any benefit to you, please vote for me. And if you don't, I thank you mentally. And I sat down. <laughs> that was my total speech. Pretty short. And I was elected. Uh, uh, were you elected by a, a fairly large vote? Or? No, no. I was. There was two of us to be elected, and uh, uh, I came second. Mm -hmm. I came second. Just made the cutoff. I just made the cutoff. Mm -hmm. But after that, I went from that time on. So. Mm -hmm. Now you served for three years on that election, or no, two at that two. time. No, three years. Pardon me, three years. The mayor was elected for two, and uh, and. Uh, Councillors for three. I served for three years and uh, then ran again as a mm -hmm. councillor and was elected by a large majority. Mm -hmm. And then you ran for mayor in 57. I resigned from council and ran for mayor. Mm -hmm. now, now, did you want to be mayor or once again were you... Well, the, this was another situation where I was on six committees. I was on uh, chairman of three of them. And I would drive by the mayor's place and I saw he had a big picture window in the motel and I could see there as I drove by. He'd be watching TV and I was going out to do some town business. And he was a very good man, a very good man. But we were clashing in that I felt that uh, certain things we had to do for the future. We had to do them in a methodical way and had to 
plan for the future. And uh, we just didn't see eye to eye on some of the things. So there was some, some friction. Not that we weren't friends, because we were friends. But our policies were, were getting further apart. So I thought, well, I should either get in or get out. Get in where I could put some of my policies into effect, or else get out. And I had several people asking me around as well. I think some of your policies dealt always with, uh, at least at that time, with capital sorts of expenditures. You were worried about sewers and schools and exactly. sidewalks and sort of really gut issues. Exactly. Yeah. We had we had very little. When our first sewer and water program was in 1953, mm -hmm. and we had a large population. This They wouldn't let this happen today for health reasons and so on. But that is what uh, the situation was, and, and so I, I uh, resigned. I was a very, very important person in my life at that time, and that was the, uh, the secretary treasurer of the town, a fellow by the name of Fred Broadstock. He was a wonderful man, and it was a vast experience, vast experience. He'd been, he'd been the governor and part of an area in Burma in the old colonial days. And, uh, he had a wonderful history, and, and, and a very quiet man, very, very astute. And I went to him, he was a very straightforward man, would, would lay it on the line to you, if you asked him. And I went to him and I said, uh, I've got a lot of people asking me to run for mayor. I don't know whether I really can do the job that the people would expect or not. And I said, Fred, do you think I could, if I did run, was, was fortunate enough to be elected or unfortunate enough to be elected, could I do the job that the people would expect to be done with? He thought for a minute and he said, I know I was putting him on the spot. I said to him, Fred, if you, if you don't want to answer, that is fine. That is fine. You don't have to. Because I know the position you're in. And I said, uh, if you think I can, I like, uh, I value your opinion. And he looked at me for a minute and he said, run for mayor. Uh, quite an endorsement. So private, but, but very, very private. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I don't think I've ever told anybody that until now. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever told anybody that mm -hmm. until now. Now, now you, you've been alderman and mayor, and were you working in the private sector too, or were you a full-time yes. alderman and mayor? No, I had gone into the insurance business. Mm -hmm. I've gone into the insurance business, life insurance to start with, and was very successful. And then I went into the life and general insurance. Mm -hmm. So I was in... You had your own agency? Yes, I had my own agency. Mm -hmm. And were you as successful in getting the, the policies incorporated as mayor that you... Yes, I was. Yes, I was. I know you, you were successful in a library in particular. Did you not get a library? Yes, yes, we got a library. And uh, well, this was the first real close cooperation with the city of Edmonton. And with the library board, and they were they were they were excellent. Uh, we uh, we set that up. We had our own library, but we set it up so that it's a, ever uh, we ever were amalgamated with Edmonton, it would serve as a branch library. That was looking ahead, wasn't it? Yes, I we uh, we were we tried to look ahead in every respect mm -hmm. uh, with our sewers. We we oversized them. Mm -hmm. We oversized our sewers. And we, we were the first ones to make the developer pay for them. Uh, they really were put out when we asked to put the oversize in. So. Mm -hmm. so we did bear part of the cost of that oversize, but they had to bear part of the cost. The whole cost of the sewer size that was uh, 
necessary to serve their subdivision, plus the parallel cost of the oversight. We were the first place to do that in, in the province. Now, I'd like to take credit for that, but I really can't. And it was a necessity. We just, we had never been on the market. We were borrowing from uh, the Municipal Finance Corporation. There lies the story. We never borrowed anywhere but from that. And then uh, they closed, they shut down in 1958. Mm -hmm. And we had a big project in, on the hand. And it was a, it doesn't sound big today, but it was big then for us. We had a million dollar project, which uh, did a lot more work than a million dollars does today. Sure. We had a, a subdivision gone in. We forced a developer to put all the sewer lines in, and we didn't have the mains to connect to after the week. Had all our dimensions passed by the by the uh, local authorities board. Uh, everything was fine and uh, ready to go to borrow the money, and they closed up. And we'd never been on the open market. So what did you do? Well, the first thing I did is uh, I got a finance committee, and it's, it's a weird, really bad situation. The government has said no. The finance minister said no, and I said I've arranged to meet them. But uh, we're not going to get what we want. We're going to have to do other things. Did, did you talk to? You say you talked this over with who in the provincial government? The, the finance minister. In fact, I went down to the provincial the, treasurer then. Per, uh, or would it have been yeah, the Minister of Municipal Affairs? No, no, it was, uh, uh, no, it was Mr. Heinemann. He was the finance minister mm -hmm. of the provincial government. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I don't know if he's called the provincial treasurer or... Uh, I think he was, but... He, it's, he, he might have been, yeah. but anyway, he, he controlled the... He had the bucks, that's, that's what counts. He controlled the money. And, uh, and he, he said no. Well, yeah, they, they'd shut down. So uh, they said... Uh, then they then they came in and said, well, except for essential things. So they uh, they had given us uh, uh, I think a two hundred and forty thousand. We uh, they hadn't given us; they agreed to loan But we had all the rest of this on. And uh, I went into his office, and it was rather strange. The deputy minister went through our list and said, you don't need this, you don't need that, you don't need this, you don't need that. It was so infuriating that uh, I finally got up and said, well, Mr. Minister, we don't need a damn thing. We can go back to the horse and buggy. <laughs> That's what we can do. And I said, there's no use talking to you, but I said, I'll talk to everybody else if I can. And I started to leave, and the minister said, just a minute, and we sit down. <laughs> and I got some more money from them. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, and now, at the time, you're you're being paid the, the princely sum of three thousand dollars a year as, uh, as right. mayor. That's right. Uh, not very much, really, for all the hours you put in. It'd be what, maybe a dollar an hour? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I don't think it would amount to <laughs> even that, maybe. <laughs> and uh, now, uh, how about the re-election um, after fifty-seven? Well, I was very fortunate. I uh, I uh, was elected by acclamation. Twice. That's, that really makes you feel good, Twice. doesn't it? Well, it did. The first time it felt real good. Uh, you know, but at the same time, you don't really know whether the policies you're carrying out are really what they want or not, or whether it's just nobody's had enough interest to run against you. Uh, so when we were, when I finally faced a prominent man, Jack Horner, who ended up as a member of 
the legislature. That would be what, 50, 60? 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, something that I really didn't like to see, but I felt very much that it was in the best interest of the citizens of Jasper to amalgamate with the city. And so that's the stance you took. Did he take the same stance? He or? took the opposite stance. He said no amalgamation. Yeah. And what, what was the elector's decision on that one? Well, I, I doubled his votes. I got to know what he did. Uh, we had big meetings in those days. We had about six meetings in the packed houses. A lot of trains were packed. And it was interesting in that Jack had quite an organization that he, <laughs> he had a group of people lined up to question me. Oh, I was giving questions and so on. And of course, what he was doing was giving me all the platform time. Right. <laughs> Not a good move politically. No. Turned out in my favor. Indeed. And did you, you, you still uh, know Jack? And Jack's passed away. Oh, really? Yes, Jack's passed away. He was. Uh, he was a very good uh, citizen of Jasper Place, very active in the Ratepayers Association, and very active in the community work within the town. Mm -hmm. And well, this brings us up then to amalgamation time. And uh, it may sound uh, shallow, but why did amalgamation take place? Well, uh, one of the things that really used to, and still bothers me, that a lot of people in this city, a lot of, even some of the council members, used to think that. Uh, we were a burden to them. Actually, we were the greatest asset before we were milling <laughs> that Edmonton ever had. In that, about seventy-five or seventy, I believe seventy-eight percent of our people, our people that were employed, were employed in the city of Edmonton. Who were they employed for? They were employed at the packing plants, at the different industries, at Eaton's, at Hudson Bay, uh, all these places. Who got the taxes from these places? The city of Edmonton got the taxes. They had no responsibility for educating the children. We had larger families in those days. Mm -hmm. They had no responsibility for, for the cost of education, no for responsibility for police, for fire, for any of the other things that were costing customers value money. Housing did not then and does not now pay, residential assessment does not pay for the amenities that are necessary for, for to operate a town or a city on. Were you keeping the mill rate pretty fair out at JP we at the time? We were, we were keeping it down as far as we could. We were quite a bit higher than ever. Plus the fact that we had more children out of school. We were we were going so fast. I think Peter Barton could must have mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And the job he had to, to try to keep up with building schools, to keep up with the increase in, in school-age children, but when we amalgamated, we had more children under school age than we had in school. Well, now that's a baby boom, isn't it? As an example, when the average increase in the province of Alberta was 5%, and that's when we had larger families, one year we had 25% increase in school population. Now, what we had at that time, this was before the foundation program, mm -hmm. and what we had in funding was based on assessment. But they didn't, it wasn't weighted enough to show what your assessment, the difference between a residential and commercial and, and industrial assessment. So we were, uh, our assessment was about 
residential. Uh, and you needed the commercial and industrial assessment to offset that. If you were going to pay the cost of education, mm -hmm. this was the big burden. You just weren't getting it, were you? And, and, and we weren't getting it. Now, we argued this. I had many meetings and showed the minister, uh, Alberg was his name at the time, mm -hmm. Mr. Alberg, and, we were, and uh, the minister of municipal affairs, Al Hook, Al Hook could tell you to this day some of the arguments we had. And uh, we remained good friends, Al Hook, and I, mm -hmm. I can say that over the years, but we had some hot arguments. In fact, he asked me for a public apology once. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which he didn't get. <laughs> but, but when he when he found out the facts, he apologized to me. So privately, that's how. That's right. That's right. But in any case, uh, uh, as an example, to prove our the proof of our argument was that when they brought in the foundation program, our grants increased 111 percent over what they were the year before. So you can see how we were under the old system, however, separate, and we still weren't even, uh, the foundation program helped a lot, but at the same time it still wasn't the answer. Had they stuck to it, it might have been. Uh, the way it worked is that uh, you were assessed, I think it was 27 mils, or I forget, uh, you can use it, you know, mm -hmm. let's say 30, and anything over that, they picked up. But they finally got so that uh, you know you had the additional requisition, which now is greater than the foundation program. Mm -hmm. Was um, the, the powers that be in Edmonton were were they happy with the idea of amalgamation? Yes, I I, I think they were. But they, they used to to say you know well we've got this burden if we amalgamate with uh, well, with the Jasper place. And they wanted the industrial area to come in to offset the the residential things that we had. One thing about the amalgamation, uh, which I think is very much to your credit, is that when you came, you didn't have very much debt. You didn't owe very much money. No, we didn't. Two hundred thousand, whatever. No, I want to put it on record now. Some of the things that are still said to me. They said, "Well, you were sure smart. You built that recreational complex out there, and you did this, and you did that, uh, and that one had to pick up the debt." Well, you know, this is the furthest thing from 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 the truth. What really happened? We built that recreation thing. We built it and used winter works to the fullest extent, which Edmonton didn't take advantage. They took advantage of it on certain things, but they didn't take advantage of it to the extent we did. We came into uh, to the city of Edmonton with, I think, one of the lowest debts that they could ever get. Plus the fact that our swimming pool, the closed-in swimming pool, the total debt on our recreational outfit was uh, set up, and that was the arena. The bowl and the swimming pool, I think, was three hundred ninety thousand dollars. They took the plans for our swimming pool, and built one the next year, cost them over five hundred thousand. <laughs> well, okay. now could we talk, uh, on a little bit about the process of amalgamation? And now uh, I understand you hired a uh, a consultant to uh, to advise you on on how to go about it, how to integrate the staffs and this sort of thing. Is this not the case? No. No, no you didn't do that? No. Okay, how did you do? We negotiated with the city of Edmonton on that, and I must say they were very fair. Did, did, did you set up a master plan of how to go about it, or did no. you do it piecemeal? Or? We did it, we did it by just by meeting like we're meeting right now mm -hmm. with, uh, with uh, their commissioners, uh, with the mayor. Mm -hmm. Mayor Harlick and I started it. We, we, uh, when we set up a committee, they had a committee. Mm -hmm. 
So you each had an amalgamation and, and, committee. Uh, we had we had one important person. Uh, maybe you'd call. I, I would call him an expert. Yes, that was our solicitor, mm -hmm. George Bryan. George is gone now too. God bless him. But George was a very astute, and very honest pair man. They recognized that. He did advise us, and we did have him check amalgamations in other cities throughout the, both the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, his fees were very low. I'm amazed at how little he charged the town of Jasper Place when I think back mm -hmm. today. Well, uh, what would you say from a process point of view was the most difficult? What? Well, we, we started out, and, and I started, as I said, with Mayor Horlock, and then he left office. We had things pretty well arranged, and then there was a setback there. So then we carried on again with, uh, with Mayor Roper. When you say a setback, you mean because Horlock left? Well, I don't know whether it was because he left it. Things seemed to die down for a while. But I see, we, I started this in 1959. We, we didn't burn him out of it until 1964. Long courting period, wasn't it? So uh, what happened was that there was a period of uh, well there, and then we got going again. And we sat down and we worked out uh, a setup where our employees would all be absorbed. They, they may not, they would not suffer any loss in salary. They did, some of them suffer a loss in seniority. They had to go to the bottom of the seniority list. The police and fire were, uh, we couldn't have two chiefs of police or two fire chiefs. So we arranged for them to have uh, a chief of fire, a police chief went in as an inspector and the, uh, and the uh, fire chief as a captain. Were they happy Without with any loss in pay. Were they happy with that arrangement? Well, I, well, they were as happy as they could be. I don't think they were entirely happy with it. They didn't uh, suffer anything well, through it. Financially, anyway. Financially, financially. They might have suffered something in prestige, but not yeah. otherwise. Now, now, how about the, the, the police and the fire? I really like those examples because it's been suggested that, uh, that the quality of firefighters and the quality of policemen were not up to the standards of training. Of, uh, uh, of the Edmonton people. You smile, Alderman, because apparently you've heard that before. Well, I, it makes me smile. Our fire chief had uh, far better uh, credentials than the fire chief of Edmonton had. Is that the case? And that's, a, that, that, that's a fact. He was a well-trained, had been trained in, the, in Great Britain, and then further training here as well. And he was, he, his uh, training as a fire chief was above what Edmonton had by a considerable amount. Our fire men were uh, equal to anything they had, and so were our policemen. There was, there's no question about it. Our, we had a good group of people, a fine group of men. And uh, it's interesting that uh, I think that uh, if the truth was known that we were about them. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> let, let me put it this way: we were, we were, we had a chance to be selective. In those days, when you advertised for policemen, if you advertised for three policemen, you got 150 applications, mm -hmm. and the same for a fireman. Mm -hmm. So you could choose good people. Well, when I mentioned earlier um, the hiring of a consultant, I just couldn't quite think of his name. Now it comes to me. I was thinking of Eric Hanson. Did 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 he not uh, work for you on that? Or am I wrong on that? You just didn't, he wasn't involved he, he, at all? He worked for the city. For, oh, for Edmonton, mm -hmm. on the Edmonton side, I see. 
And do you think that that um, in, in retrospect you would do anything differently as far as the amalgamation is concerned? No, I don't think so. No, no, under the same circumstances, I, I wouldn't. Okay, let us return to your uh, political career. Uh, the cities are now joined together. Uh, there's obviously no need for um, a town council out in, in JP, or alderman for that matter. Um, did you run immediately in the next election? Yes. City as a whole? I ran the city as a whole. And the amalgamation was ordered for uh, August, I think, the 17th. And then uh, I was in limbo until October, and I ran as a for an automatic seat and was, was very successful. Out of, I came in fourth out of 12. There were no wards then, were there? There's no wards, no. no. So the top 12 people who got a citywide vote, mm -hmm. and was most of your, well, most of your vote would have come from JP, obviously. Oh no, oh no. It didn't? No. I got, we, we only had 40,000 people all told, and most of those were under, under 15 years of age, <laughs> under <laughs> 10 years of age, as a matter of fact. <laughs> And I got 49,000 votes, so. <laughs> so it was pretty citywide then? Citywide, yeah. they got very good citywide. That so must have been gratifying. Yes, it was. Now, that would have been uh, in 64. 64. 64, and then you served till 66. Yeah, and then I didn't run in 66. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah, I know. Two year term. Well, I had some personal problems and, uh, at, at that time, and uh, my business was suffering as well, and I, so I got a you took a break for two I years. I took a break. Then what, what prompted you to come well, back in 68 then? You know, I, 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 you know, I lots of people, a great number of people were after me and asked me to run. I didn't really want to. I was just starting to do well again. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it was a very good time to be in the insurance business, wasn't it? Financially, I was doing very well again. And what happened was they asked me to, so I said, okay. And you know what I spent on that election? I spent $67 and I think it was 60 cents or something. In 1958? That's exactly what I spent. It's not a lot of money. That's what I spent. What did you spend the $67 Two on? Two ads in the journal. And that was it? Two little ads. Mm -hmm. I only did that because a friend of mine said, listen Ken, nobody knows you're running. Uh, and his, he'd be one of the people, one of the persons who'd been after me to run again. He was a lawyer in the city of Edmond and a good friend of mine. And, and he said, we're going to put something in it. You know, so I said, okay. So you, you spoke at the candidates uh, meeting and that sort of Oh, yes. You'd show oh, yes. up. Yes. I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yes, I, yes, I went to all the candidates meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you ran again in 1970 and won again. Uh, I'd like to look at some of the... Uh, 71. 71? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I'd like to look at some of those issues uh, in the more recent past. Um, Let's take, for instance, uh, public housing. If correct me if I'm wrong, but you favored more uh, distribution throughout all different economic spheres for the public housing, not just in one place. I don't know how you researched that, but that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, why, why I, did you take that view? Well, I, I took that view because I didn't think that you should uh, put all public housing in one area and uh, make a ghetto out of it. I thought that was wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, now, how about the people who have the really expensive homes and they thought it was an exclusive area and now they're getting public housing in there? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I, I might have been wrong. Maybe we shouldn't have exposed the people in the public housing to that element. <laughs> That's a snob, yeah? 
Yeah, because of that salary and those people had money to give their children to buy all the things they wanted to buy, and uh, including things they shouldn't have been buying. And uh, no, I still think it's the right method. I, I find that the kids will mix together fine if, if, uh, if the parents stay out of it. Mm -hmm. Kids will get along. And uh, the old issue of who's going to pay for education came up in that election again. And uh, I believe you said that the province should pay for everything. The province, the city government, and I still hold this strongly, that the city government should not be involved in the cost of education. That should be borne by the by resources of the province. Do you think that portion of the taxes, property taxes, then should go to the province as well? No, there should not be any property tax for education. There should not be a property tax for education. This is the point that I was trying to make. Real property should pay for that stuff that benefits it directly. Otherwise, precinct, sidewalks, sewer, water, fire protection. Uh, education should be borne by the province at large. And that is a, a horse and buggy day method of financing education. The manner in which we have it. Would you, would you see the province then funding the separate schools equally as with the yes, uh, yes. public schools? Yes, yes. I think everybody should absolutely, and I'm a public school supporter, mm -hmm. but I firmly believe that uh, there shouldn't be any difference when it comes to education. Mm -hmm. I think there should only be one school system too, as far as that's concerned. Oh, really? You don't? But we have the two school systems, and therefore one shouldn't be treated any differently than the other as far as funding is concerned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, also on uh, transportation, uh, you took a, a very slick, if you don't mind me saying so, Stan. <laughs> you said uh, uh, you, you were for, for better roads, but not necessarily freeways. And it sounded a little bit like King's. Uh, yeah, good, yeah good, but good, necessary, but not necessarily. No, but, I, but you know, I know that sounds slick, but, but I, uh, you know, some of the, uh, some of the, some the engineers and, and so on, they were for, for huge six lane, eight lane stuff and so on. What I was really saying was that, not necessarily, I don't consider a, a, a four lane road a freeway. Mm -hmm. But what the heck, you have four or six, it, it's oh, pretty yeah, oh, oh yeah, no, it makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, you go down and see the size of the property you use for six, uh, as opposed to, to a good four lane road. You are, the group road is a fine example. Look at the traffic that that has. There's only one thing wrong with the road. There should be more bays where you get a flat tire you pull into or something, things of that nature. But look at the traffic that, and that isn't a freeway by any. No, no one else tries to imagination. No, you know, uh, a road such as that can, can carry a tremendous amount of, of uh, traffic without uh, being too costly and without uh, using up too much of your land. See, I can remember. I can remember looking for my home in West End when Highway 16 was a two-lane road. And, and just uh, on a Sunday night, seeing the people coming in from the lakes, that traffic would be breaked, backed up the other side of the Spruce Grove. Mm -hmm. The minute they put four lanes in there, see, four lanes just doesn't double the traffic you can put onto it. triples it. Mm -hmm. You think from a... It, it, 
from, from, potential from a, increase. From a, yeah, from a two-lane road, mm -hmm. four lanes, more than doesn't normally double. You think it would do that because you put mm -hmm. you doubled your lanes, but it triples the traffic you, that you can handle. And then you also, though, uh, supported public rapid transit. Mm -hmm. Did you want to see rapid transit get out to the West End? I think eventually it has to go all over the city. Uh, I, I can't see it going out there, though, for a good number of years. It's, uh, Why is that? Well, because of the financing. financing. There's one thing, rapid transit is, is, is wonderful, and we have to have it, but it's very rigid. It's very rigid. It goes on one line, you know. It, you, mm -hmm. Whereas your bus system, you can maybe it should be rigid. We wouldn't be in trouble switching bus <laughs> roads mm -hmm. and so on, as we have been this year in trying to uh, to get uh, uh, better value mm -hmm. for the dollars being spent on the mm -hmm. transportation system. Speaking of dollars, um, perhaps it was because of uh, the city's experience with Mayor Horlack and so on. But the issue of uh, uh, revealing where campaign money comes from was really an issue in 1970-71. Uh, and you were against revealing yeah. where the money came from. Now, a lot of people would say that's suspicious right off the yeah, bat. I know. You know, I'm I sure you realize that. Okay, so maybe you could explain to us what your reason I'm, for this is. I still feel very strongly today, simply because there's no way, there's no way being able to prove where all the money comes from. There's no way you can do it. You, you, you know, if uh, you're running for election, and I'm not, now let's say you're running mm -hmm. for election, if I want to give you X number of dollars in cash, how are you going to prove where that money came from? There's no way of doing it. That's one of the, that's one of the reasons. Uh, I don't think that makes anybody any more honest. Uh, I was in Phoenix last winter, and it was interesting to note that in taking the paper down there, they declare all the money. Mm -hmm. And every time somebody voted, some reporter would come out and say, well, they received $100 from this liquor company in their last campaign. Now, I don't think that influenced that person one damn bit, that $100 that they got. But it was sure made to look like it did. Mm-hmm. Well, like you, you say it wouldn't make anybody more honest, but um, are not member, or aren't politicians in general a little bit like Caesar's wife? They, they don't have to appear to be, uh, yeah, uh, you know, but they don't have to be honest, but they have to appear to be honest. And, and when people say, well, I'm not going to tell you who's financing my campaign, that it just raises a well, cloud. There's another reason, too. I've given donations not to civic but uh, I've donated to provincial and, and federal candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be damned if I want people to know who I gave money to, mm -hmm. personally. Would you? I think that's my business if I want to. Yeah. And I give to them without any excuse. I've given to both a liberal and to a conservative. The guy I thought was going to be a good man. Mm -hmm. That's what. I, that's who I've contributed to, as far as the other levels of government are concerned. Do you, do you, would you soften your stance if, if a dollar amount was included? Like, if uh, say know, everything over a thousand? Say. Well, I think what they should be, uh, what I would support very strongly, 
and I'd have severe penalties for it if, if anybody was proven to go over it, I would put the, the total amount that any candidate could spend. Mm -hmm. There's X numbers of dollars and that's it. Because 50 cents a voter or something like that. Well, Maybe a dollar a voter these no, days. <laughs> no, no, I'd make it a lot lower. Mm -hmm. I'd make it a lot lower. I think there's a, especially the mayorality uh, campaign, it, 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 you've got to have a lot of money to run. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I know of case in the last election where it's reported to me in pretty good authority that one automatic candidate spent pretty close to $30,000 to be elected. Well, I think that is absolutely damn ridiculous, to tell you the truth, dude. Well, they say to run for mayor now, you can't even think about it without at least a hundred thousand. Yeah, I believe that that's that's correct. I uh, I I can see where it would cost that much, and I maybe would put a limit of that much on mm -hmm. for for mayor But I think I'd put a limit on it uh, with the ward system we have of about ten thousand or or less per hour. Mm -hmm. That way, I, I I could support that very strongly. Mm -hmm. That way, you know, nobody would have to donate too much to. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, '74 election, uh, which was a close one for you. You you won it by about 250 votes. Next, uh, you know the the next guy down, which was uh, Robert Matheson. Uh, it, yeah, I made no effort in that election yeah. either. That's another one where I didn't spend any money. Pretty well seems that you feel if the people want you, fine. If they don't, that's fine too. Yeah, I. Uh, well, I was, uh, that was the time of the moral inquiry, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Now, yeah. I was I was really put out about that inquiry. I, I felt that, I mean. Uh, well, there was one quote, and I think uh, if I just may interrupt, uh, Alderman, uh, uh, somebody said, uh, I think it was the journal, uh, could be wrong on that, uh, said, uh, suggested a conflict of interest from several years ago. Morrow said that about you, did he not? He did. And, and what was that about? I, I couldn't find any more on that. Well, he, he made that quote in, in, in finding in uh, conclusion number 25, but then in, in, in conclusion number 50, said it wasn't. Well, what was he talking said, about there? Said it wasn't. Well, he was, uh, uh, what had happened, what had happened was, uh, and you know, it, it just it bothered me to this day to, to think about that. And that I lost an awful lot of money and I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. But what happened was, when I'd been out of office, I had uh, went into a person who said they had a car section land at Sherwood Park. They wanted to sell. They asked me if, if I would, if I would uh, talk to some white people about it. And they would give me a finder's fee. For finding a buyer. Yeah. So I did. And uh, through that, then I did it two other occasions. So I was the chairman of the Regional Planning Commission. Or I was on the Regional Planning Commission. I think I was chairman. I was on for eight years as chairman for four. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But in any case, Plan came in to rezone one of those quarter sections. Some years before, that I'd had a finder's fee for selling that, or getting a seller or buyer for it. 
came up before the commission. I didn't vote. Refused to vote on. So because years passed. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to name any names, but because of that, the person that was on that commission at the time with me reported that to the moral inquiry. And that was beyond their terms of reference, actually. But they asked me, you know, if they could bring it up. Morrow's man was working for him. Mm -hmm. So I talked to him. I said, you know, what have I done in this regard? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. So why bring it up? He said, so bring it up if you want. Get her on this. You've done mm -hmm. nothing wrong. And I was really shocked. I went in to give testimony and they asked me about this. And the first thing the judge says to me is that maybe they maybe you should take the go under the uh, the uh, Protection of the Counter Evidence Act. What then was this all about? I was really shocked and, and uh, so I adjourned it and I went to see his lawyer. And the lawyer said, Well, what is he talking about? So I had three lawyers worked all that day and all that night since I was going on the stand the next day. That there's not a damn thing you go ahead with this, and there's not a thing you. And you didn't take the advantage no, of that evidence? No, no way, no way. There's nothing, you've done nothing wrong. So what Morrow came out with, but I was on the, uh, the development appeal board later at the city of Edmonton, and this company who I had, had bought this land, bought something before the appeal board. Boy, that, that's pretty tenuous, isn't it? Kind of distant. So in 25, he says this to me, then in, in 50, in conclusion number 50, if you read his report, mm -hmm. he clears me. He refers to it as in Fowler's case, you see, in, uh, not, not Fowler's case with the Grammasians, but with Fowler's case with the uh, PWA. Mm -hmm. And then he'd had some tickets or something. He claimed that this was, uh, Well, he didn't think it was good, but it was wrong for him to do it, but it wasn't a conflict of interest and not illegal. Mm -hmm. And so, he accused me bluntly of being a conflict of interest in 25 and 50, he said it wasn't, it was the same as Fowles. Mm -hmm. Now, you see, the papers hit number 25. Well, Never mentioned 50 yeah. at any time. Did you ever, did, you know, see And you know, you know, I want to finish that sure. story a little bit. You know what happened? Well, I was, you know, what really irks me. When I was chairman of the Regional Planning Commission, a person phoned me that I didn't know, but they had a parcel of land out on the, uh, on the uh, Sturgeon uh, that was a real steal. They needed cash immediately. They called me and said, do you want to buy this? And I said, yes, I sure do. I said, but I've got to get make some financial arrangements. The next day I went to the bank <laughs> said, look, I, I've got a chance for this land. I, I've only got so much. I need so much more money than I need right now. He said, it's here. Just like that. And then that day I got thinking, well, I would probably never get this chance if I wasn't chairman of this regional planning commission. Mm. So I called the fellow back and I got thinking of it started bothering me and I called the fellow back and I said, I, I won't take it. I said, I'll tell you who you go to. I know he'll buy it immediately. And that's Dr. Allen. Tower mm -hmm. never bought it. That land, within two years, was worth ten times. Why? 
you know, so I turned down stuff like that, and then I'm accused by a judge of this. Uh, just did you ever see Judge uh, more socially or whatever around you town know, or talk to him and, and say, you know, just what the heck was going through your head? Then? I never talked to him about it, and and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I hate to think it. I hate to think this would be it. But when I was at the Mayor Jasper place, we were expropriating a lot, a vacant lot that a woman owned. Judge Morrow at that time was a lawyer. Mm -hmm. The real estate guy had gone to this woman and said, look, if they've offered you this much, you can't get any less. <laughs> you get more. You can't, you know, it's worth a gamble. Mm -hmm. So it went before the court. And Judge Morrow referred to this woman as this widow. And when our lawyer went to question her, he said to her, if I asked her different time, he said, where's your husband today? And she said, he's at such and such a place. Well, I can, you know, I was, and, and I laughed, and I shouldn't have laughed, I guess, because I somehow looked at me, and he went as red as a beet. Now, I honestly believe that the real estate guy told him that this was a widow. I don't believe that he knew she was a widow, because he was furious. He that was, he was, had been so embarrassed. Yeah, he was furious. Mm -hmm. you see. Now, whether he remembered that enough because he looked at me and I was laughing. I wasn't laughing, at, you know, it was just... At the situation. Yeah, I, I was laughing at, I wasn't laughing at him, I was laughing at the situation. Mm -hmm. But whether he thought I was laughing at him or not, I don't know. And I hate to think that he would try to get even with me mm -hmm. and that stuck in his mind. I just hate to believe that. But I don't know of anything else. I just couldn't think of anything else because I'm, I'm going to tell you that I've known some judges and I had three judges, three judges privately tell me they didn't know what he was doing. That they couldn't understand how he came to that conclusion. Do, do you think uh, that I, I honestly don't believe that he, he that he was doing that uh, because he did clear me in fifty. I think maybe if you'd have read that again, maybe he would have put me in the same situation as mm -hmm. as Fowler. Probably I shouldn't have been. Uh, I should have maybe excused myself from while I was on the appeal board because at one time several years before I'd had a deal with these people. Maybe he felt that that I might have been influenced in my decision on the appeal board. Maybe he felt that. Just to uh, you know, change the topic a bit, and speaking of the Development Appeal Board, uh, do you think that, that there's too much use made of the Development Appeal Board? Do you think that the civil servants, you know, the, uh, the zoning officers and, and so on, could be doing a better job. Do you think too much comes before the DAV? No, I don't. I uh, we at one time there was a the things were a lot stricter. There was there wasn't the the chance for discretion. Under the new act, there's little, there's more chance for for the officer to use his discretion, which they do use. Mm -hmm. But you can't give them full discretion because where does it end? Where does it end? So there has to be certain things. And there's things that seem trivial, and uh, they really are trivial at times, mm -hmm. and, uh, whereas a man is eight inches short on the side yard and he's putting up a garage, he isn't hurting anybody, but they have to notify. And the uh, person next door doesn't bother him a bit, but four doors down, maybe the guy doesn't like him, so he peels it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so on the whole, you think the DAB is, is fulfilling a, a worthwhile function? I think it fulfills one of the best functions in this city, and I think the lawyers, most of the average lawyer will tell you that too, that uh, they do an excellent job. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a place where uh, uh, fees are small, the small guy can go in and get uh, justice, mm -hmm. uh, the big guy costs him more. Uh, rightfully it should because lots of times his hearings are the longest and he has battery of lawyers and so on. Mm -hmm. Takes the time of the board and the staff. No, I, I think they do an excellent job. Um, getting back to this term of office uh, between 74 and 77, that's the term where uh, Mayor Horlack died in office. Um, could you just, you know, in, in brief, if that, if that's possible, tell us how you recall Bill Horlack. You knew him for a long time. I knew him for a long time. I, I worked with him when I was mayor of Jasper Place. I found that Bill Horlick kept his word to me on every issue we ever had, on every item. Never, never uh, his word, uh, as far as I'm concerned, was as good as gold. Uh, we worked out the terms of amalgamation and the terms of employment, and, and, and as an example, uh, we had a strong police chief and a strong fire chief in the city of Edmonton. They were going to do things their way, regardless of any agreement that the politicians have worked out. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a very good man, a sergeant, who spoke broken English. He was a Ukrainian farm boy, mm -hmm. but a very intelligent, very good policeman. He went in as a sergeant. Somebody in the heaven decided because his English wasn't that good, he should go down to a constable. He would have had there been a weaker mayor. Bill Horlick called in the chief of police, the fire chief, the commissioners, and said, this is an agreement, and you're going to live up to every word of it. That's the kind of man I know. Do you think he was an honest man? I think he was an honest man. I think Bill took advantage of his position the first time. The second time, I think it was a tragedy. I don't think he should have ever lost office for it. it was a, uh, the man did nothing wrong as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, the agreement on that second time that the deal had been made before he was elected. All he did was sign the damn plans afterwards. And that's what else it. But the thing had been concluded actually before he was elected. And I don't think he ever would have lost a seat the second time if it hadn't been for the first time. I think the first time Bill made a mistake, and a bad one. Do you I, think his uh, mistake was in, 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 in ethics or in judgment? Or? I think it was in judgment. I think Bill, he had some property that was rezoned that, uh, other people have tried to have property on that same side of the road rezoned and, and they hadn't been able to. Uh, Bill got his rezone worked out. I don't think he felt he was doing anything that anybody else couldn't have done. I don't think he opposed anybody else getting his rezone either, but he got his rezone. I think that was wrong. I think that was wrong for a mayor to do that. I don't think Bill felt it was wrong. I think it taught him something and I, and, uh, I think he was honest. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, when he tragically died in office, uh, we were stuck with uh, 12 people on council and the emergence of the so-called next six. <laughs> that, that really must have been frustrating for somebody like you, a guy who likes to see things get done. And every vote, six, 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 all the time. Yes, it was. It was a frustrating period. Did, did you support uh, Terry Cavanaugh to become in mayor? In the end, I did, yes. In the end, you did, yes. but not in the beginning. I ran myself. 
Yeah, well, everybody ran, didn't they, uh, more it's or less? Monsters, and I would have got it, but Ledger, Ledger would have supported me. But he told me frankly, he said, I wouldn't support you because, not because you wouldn't have done a far better job, I think you would have. That was his exact words. But he said, I could have never got you out if you'd ever been elected. <laughs> really? <didn't Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he was honest in that respect, and, he, and that's exactly what that is. In retrospect, are you glad that you didn't get it? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because it, it, it uh, although I think I might have quit at that time after, I mean, I might have just served that term and quit. Or reverted to Alderman again. Yeah, I don't think I might not have even reverted to Alderman. I, I don't know. Probably would. But I, uh, I, I, uh, the mayor's job is a, is a, is a, is a really a tough job. It's as different as night and day. Alderman don't realize that. Because he only gets the one vote. So how, how, how do you see it as being different? Well, it's different, and his responsibilities are far different. He, he, he's charged with the carrying about the policy that the council sets. And, and this is tough when sometimes the administration doesn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it can frustrate you. You have to come down hard on the administration. And yet, yet, there's one of the things that most mayors fall into, and that is they start to identify themselves with the administration as part of it. Uh, it's a natural thing for them to do. You have to guard against that. You have to guard, really guard against that because, and therefore, the minute you start doing that, then any criticism of the administration, you, you start to take it personally. It's criticism of you. Mm -hmm. do, you do you think that the administration in, in your time on council has ever actively worked against the wishes of council and or man? I don't know any time they've actively worked against it. I think sometimes when they thought things were wrong, the council wrong. They've dragged their feet. They've frustrated it to some extent. Whether you call that acting against it or not, I, I, I don't think they've. I think they just haven't gone ahead with some of the things that council wanted them to, with the enthusiasm they should have shown. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but as, I must say this: that as far as the administration is concerned, and the, and the people in it, um, they've been a tremendous help to me. I've had been able to get things done by going either to the executive assistant, going to the commissioner, or going to the head of the department. Uh, I don't believe that any alderman has the right to go and tell any city employee to do anything. Mm -hmm. But they have a right to call up and say, this is the problem that I've encountered. Can you do anything about it? Of course, any citizen has that right. Don't any they? citizen has that right. Mm -hmm. You bet. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the way a manner in which an alderman should act. Mm -hmm. And I have, and I've found that they have helped me. I can't fault them one bit in any respect. I've had some hard arguments sometimes in the commissioner's office. Mm -hmm. Never below that. I've never had, with the heads of departments, I don't ever involve, in, involve myself in, in disagreements. Or, well, it's a heck of a spot to put a civil servant yeah, in. But, but yeah. with the commissioner, you go into his office, mm -hmm. between him and you, you can say what you like. He can tell you what he thinks, you know, in certain mm -hmm. terms, because there's no press, there's nobody else, there's none of his staff to be uh, embarrassed. And uh, by doing that, I think they, they sometimes might not like you, but they respect you. Mm -hmm. And now, uh, we're up to 77 election, and who, who did you support? 
in the Purvis Dent Kavanaugh. Purvis. Purvis. Mm -hmm. Did you support him publicly then, or? Yes, I said I thought the Purvis would be a good mayor. I had worked with uh, Cease. Uh, You'd also worked with Terry, too. And I worked with Terry, and Terry's a very fine person. Terry, the Terry, Terry has a propensity to try to please everybody. Some people say he has the Jerry Ford syndrome, yeah. just a real nice guy, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He is a real nice guy. Uh, and, but he, he, he tries to please everybody, and he lets the administration tell him what to do. Uh, or he should be telling them. Mm -hmm. you know, so in this, in this forthcoming election, are you going to be behind Purvis again, or have you not decided? I have not decided on uh, anything. I think Cecil's going to be go down as a lot better mayor than what he's been given credit for to date. He's had a pretty tough road to hold with the certain members of council aspiring to become mayor. I see they're not running now. Uh, I'm not just referring to Ed Ledger. There was other members of that council, a couple, two others that had uh, the eyes that I, I know of on that seat. Mm -hmm. Finally decided not to go. I think the finance people told him not to mm -hmm. some time ago. And uh, when doing that, I think they were covered by looking at his looking to get into his position and they were, I think their decisions and some of their actions were covered by, mm -hmm. covered by what they did in that regard. Mm -hmm. so some of the things that you were for in the 77 election were uh, something like affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how can the city affect, I mean, the price of housing? Well, we did, I think, to a great extent. It was Millwoods. I think that if we hadn't had Millwoods, I think you would have seen housing. Much higher in the city. Mm -hmm. it, I think it had a, a dampening effect on the escalation of the cost of housing. The overall picture. Do you think right now the housing situation is dreadful as far as resale values are concerned? Do you think uh, we're ever going to come out of this situation? This oh, I'm not unhappy about that. Uh, although my wife is. Got her house up for sale. It's <laughs> been up for some time. And yeah. It's not selling. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the same time, I'm not unhappy about that. I think housing is being overpriced. I think uh, it comes down some. It's going to make it more uh, a better chance for uh, our young people to be able to get a house. I'm a firm believer in home ownership. Mm -hmm. I felt, at that time, 77, I felt for a long while that with the monies we've had in this province, especially, that they could have worked out something similar to the Veterans Land Act, which is one of the best pieces of legislation in the world in that regard. And that was that it was subsidized. What it amounted to, what it amounted to really, was an interest-free loan. It was about what it amounted you uh, had to have 10% down. You had 10% down. That meant that you had to save some money, mm -hmm. which was good. Then you could borrow up to X number of dollars. And that was at a, an interest rate that meant that at the end of 10 years, you were forgiven a portion of that loan. It meant that you were given just about what the interest cost you. 
And you think they should have had a program like that for I Albertans? I think they should have had a program like that for Albertans. Mm -hmm. I think they should. Because there's no greater and better investment that they could have made in that there's a great pride in owner, home ownership. I don't care what they say. Some people will tell you, well, uh, lots of people live in apartments all their lives. This is true. And, and there has to be that form of, uh, of, of housing. Some people may prefer it, but the vast majority of people would like to own their own home. And what happens is that they can't sell that home. If they sell it before 10 years, then they pay the whole thing. So this cuts out the quick buck. If you follow me, you can. Sure. So uh, I think this is what should have been done. I've talked to this to different ministers at different times. And you, you know all the variety of programs they've come up with uh, mm -hmm. that are none of them would have done the job that this would have done mm -hmm. and they could have simple to set up it would have been I think a little bit more fair than some of the programs they have where yeah. you have to be married or you have to have kids that's right income here or income there that's right that's right or, this this uh, you know I, I talked to uh, well one minister said to me oh he said we've got a transient population it wouldn't work I said, how the hell does that enter into it? And that if the fellow wants to sell, he pays off the full shot. You've got nothing to lose, so what are you worrying about? You can turn around and sell it to another guy that's going to stay there. You can work the same scheme. Um, during that election, you were endorsed by the uh, Devon and Civic Government Association. That's in 77. Uh, you were endorsed by them, but were you part of a slate? No, I never had been at any time. Uh, they asked me to go on a slate, and I refused. So they called me back later and said, would you accept our endorsement? I said, certainly. I have nothing against you. I think you're running some good people. It's just that I don't believe in slates. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I ran independent and I want to continue to do so. Indeed, indeed. And uh, um, okay, getting back to Mayor Horlack, I wish I'd asked this at the other time. Uh, you voted to change the name uh, Mayf Mayfair Park to Horlack Park. Yes, I did. Now, now, I don't think anybody would argue with that act, you know, of, of honoring Mayor Horlack. However, how, how do you feel about the comment that something else more appropriate could have been named? For instance, uh, Terry Cavanaugh, I was talking to him, suggested that maybe the Yellowhead Freeway, because he was, you know, so long associated with the Yellowhead route, would have been a, a better thing. Did you, did you think the city could have done a better job in well, honoring them? They might have, and I know that was a controversial thing, and I had a lot of people that were opposed to that call me on that. But you see the history of that. It was basically his idea that that is there. You know what that was, you know what was there before? You made for a park? Yeah. I always thought it was a park. Huge gravel pits. I didn't know that. That was huge gravel pits. So, and that was where the city took gravel out for years and years and years. So they worked that out fairly well. So here they had the big holes. Who came up with the idea of making this, filling this in, and making this into a park? It was Bill Harlick and a couple of other people. I forget who they were. But that's the reason I supported it. It was his idea to do that, and it was named Mayfair. Well, uh, won the wars and so on. But uh, it was Bill Horlock's idea, that's why I supported it. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. 
Well, that cleared that up, I agree. Yeah. And, okay, you also, at that time, supported the strengthening of the police department. But, now, but, a few years later, uh, from, this was about 77, 78, a few years later, I think you voted to cut the police department. Okay, could you explain cut the why budget. the shift? Yes, I did. I, I, I looked into the cost of uh, uh, was costing us uh, per capita as compared to other cities and found out that we were putting in a lot more money than other places were. I was also becoming upset with, uh, uh, not that I received many tickets, but <laughs> of going by a raider trap and seeing four and five and six police cars there with 12, 15 policemen tied up. And thought this is a, a poor way of using your manpower. Why couldn't one car and two policemen do it? You know, maybe those guys are going to get by on you, if you when they get busy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, couldn't those other people be out? Uh, the fact was is that I got a call from people. I was trying to get, I got different calls from different people as an example. Uh, father had a break in. Well, he can't do anything until a police have inspected it because of the insurance and so on. Mm -hmm. He calls him, he goes to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, he finds out his, his business has been broken into, he calls the police and they don't get there till 3 in the afternoon, he has to stay closed. These are the things that started to annoy me. So you don't think the police were doing I don't the job? Think they were, I, uh, I don't think they were being used efficiently. When, as an example, we had five or six cars tied up here well, on, on, a, on, a, on a radar track, but one of them could have been out inspecting this. Whose fault do you crime. think that is? Poor organization, I think. I, uh, do you think the police chief has to answer to that? I think so, I think to some extent, and I think he has. I think he's, he's done something about much of it. I think maybe he has, uh, he ultimately has to answer to it, of course. I think maybe he's relied on some people down below and, 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 and the fact is, it's just the same way with any large organization, is that each one wants to build his own little kingdom. Now the traffic policeman, the head of the traffic division, he wants to get his larger share of the budget he can. He wants to get, build his kingdom up bigger than the detective mm -hmm. <laughs> division and so on, you know, or the morality described. Mm -hmm. uh, each one is competing. Now, the chief relies on them. Maybe he hasn't been checking them up quite enough to see this what mm -hmm. the heck they have been doing in some instances. So that doesn't mean we haven't got a good police force here. We have. We've got a good police force. And they've done a good job. But it doesn't matter how good you are, you can always improve. Well, speaking of improvements, uh, at the end of that 77 uh, council, uh, when you were running a game, you were quoted in the Evan Journal as saying, uh, the way this past council has been criticized, I thought they'd turf us all out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty straightforward. <laughs> and were we, were you only being half, half joking or did you think no, that maybe I, they... No, I thought there would be more casualties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, there was only one, I guess. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. The wrong election here. I was thinking of Schmiller. Uh, of course, Dent 
and uh, Kavanaugh lost. I don't think any aldermen went down, did they? Or was that that guy who was the uh, McCabe, was it? Or? Oh, well, McLean. McLean, Bill yeah. McLean lost. He was yeah. the only one. Yeah, Bill, only. Bill McLean lost. Yeah. So it wasn't too bad. No. No. Which brings us up to the uh, 1980 election, long last. Um, that's the one that Bill Schmiller did lose. You know, what do you think he lost? I was sorry to see that. Well, I'll tell you, one of the reasons why is Bill is a, I think Bill is a good alderman. I had some hot words with Bill in council a couple of times. But overall, Bill was a good alderman. Uh, Bill was probably lost because he was too honest and too straightforward, I think. Bill never pulled any pensions with anybody. No matter who they were, on the phone, a person called him up and he thought they were wrong, he'd tell them. <laughs> you know, he he wouldn't say, I'll look into it, like some of the aldermen would, and put it over and let the person cool down. Mm -hmm. You often get a person that'll call up at the spur of the moment and they're hot and they're mad. And, uh, if you can talk to them for a little bit, and, uh, you can reason with them when you get them over that. Mm -hmm. But uh, Bill, he would uh, tell them he thought they were wrong and that was it. Well, I don't think you gain many votes that way, but that doesn't mean you don't do a good job. I think it was unfortunate that Bill lost. Of course, you got June Cavanaugh in his place. Uh, she unseated it. I'm <laughs> 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 putting you on the spot, I guess, eh? <laughs> I, I think the long and the short of it is you would have preferred to have Bill there over June. Yes, I would have. June's a very fine person, very kind-hearted. Um, tries to uh, do her best. I think Bill was better. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were endorsed by the Edmonton Sun in that uh, that election, the 80 election, in their editorial page. And I wondered if you've ever been endorsed by the Edmonton Journal. You can recall? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. I couldn't find an endorsement no, there. Not that I know of. I, uh, I, Speaking of the media, do you think you've been pretty fairly treated over the years? Oh, yes, I haven't any real complaint. I, I had some battles with the Journal years ago, and uh, some fairly hot ones. I thought that they were very unfair when I was near Jasper Place, and they were. Uh, they were not only unfair, they were stupid, and I let them know. But that was the late night shopping and all um, that? No, thing. no, it was over. If you remember when the investigations were in vogue of <laughs> 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 uh, mayors, mm -hmm. well, we had one too. And uh, the investigation was caused by a man who learned his trade in jail. Uh, they didn't make any investigation of him whatsoever. And uh, his accusations were very false indeed. And, uh, well, what, what were the accusations? Well, what had happened, and it really amuses me, you just recently heard about the flooding in Middle Woods and the, the cross connections mm -hmm. that were out there. Well, <laughs> well, I have to laugh when I think about this, is that we had some work done, and they, we've discovered that some people put in some cross connections. They connected the sanitary sewer to the to the storm sewer, and vice versa. So we found it, and we were correcting it. Well, this guy, we happened to be correcting someone where this fellow lived. From, he found out about it. So he went to the journal, got a reporter, and said, "Look, they're pouring all this uh, stuff in from the raw sewage up in front of your." water intake and all this and so on. 
And so our journal got on it. And then this guy got a tertiary other people and decided to come in and demand an investigation and so on. And he, they had a list of stuff they wanted to investigate. Well, I was furious and I, I said, no, no way we would go for that. If we wanted an investigation, we'd include that, their things, and any other matter. <laughs> I didn't want to curtail to this and then have somebody say, well, we couldn't get into something else. Mm -hmm. So we had the investigation. And while it was going on, as an example, we hadn't had, we had a bit of water or rain or anything else for about three weeks. And uh, one morning, the, there was some water running down one of our ravines. And so here's the journal down there with the reporter and this guy, and there's water running down. They got pictures and put it right on the front page. You can go down and check it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right on the front page. And this is, there's something fishy about this, and we're going to find out what it is. As if you could cross-connect enough, make enough cross-connections overnight to have a ravine running. What had happened, we had a 30-inch water main that broke. So they came to me uh, after the project, he said, is there an explanation for this? And I don't mind telling what I said. I said, yes, there is, you stupid so-and-so. And the words I use, I won't repeat right now. <laughs> but I said, uh, I'm not going to give it. If you're not smart enough to find out, I said, uh, you're like the rest of them down there. I was furious about the unfair treatment. Now, they kept this up, especially if it happened about the, we, the town of Jasper Place. It wasn't me personally that I was mad about. It was, I was mad at the treatment they were giving the town. We were poisoning the whole city. Well, as it turned out, they took tests of all the outfalls, storm sewer outfalls, and they found out. This material is a digitized audio recording from the holdings of the City of Edmonton archives. For more information regarding the recording, please contact us by email at cms.archives at edmonton.ca, by phone at 780-496-8711, or on our online catalog at cityarchives.edmonton.ca.